There are moments when it feels like time stands still. But when those moments turn into days, months, years, we start to wonder if life will ever begin again. It is written that there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the sun. Now is the time. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to church. If I haven't met you before, my name is Grant. I'm so glad that you're here. And whether you're in the room or watching online, we are just so honored that you would choose to spend an hour with us. I want to start with a single solitary thought that hopefully will run as a theme throughout our entire message today. And the thought is this. When it comes to the season of life, it's not a question of if, it's a question of when. Last week, we began a new series that will unpack the first 11 verses of Ecclesiastes 3 as we walk through the spring and the summer. A couple of years ago, we did an entire summer in the book of Ecclesiastes with one single solitary idea that we unpacked week after week. And the idea was this. Don't miss a single moment of the precious life that God has given you chasing insignificant things that don't matter. Like Just don't waste your time. Don't waste your life. So this spring and summer, we're going to circle back to the first 11 verses of the third chapter of Ecclesiastes, and we're going to do a deep dive into the immense amount of wisdom contained just within those 11 verses. Before we unpack all that God has for us, we're going to use the words of the wisest, richest, and for a season, the most disillusioned human being that has ever been, a guy by the name of Solomon. And today, here's what he wants you to know. When it comes to the seasons of life, it's not a question of if, it's a question of when. Solomon says this, there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. So don't miss this. There's a time for everything and, and every season is going to be filled with activity and all of the things we're going to talk about, it's not an either or proposition. You're going to face all of these at some point in your life. Not a question of if, it's a question of when. And every season in your life is actually going to matter no matter whether it's challenging positively or challenging negatively. Every season matters, past, present, and future. So knowing these 14 contrasting seasons are just an expected part of the human experience, Solomon lays them out for us to contemplate. And here's what he says. There's a time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. Time to kill and a time to heal. Time to tear down and a time to build. Time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. Time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. There's a time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. There's a time to tear and a time to mend time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. Let me give you my understanding of these verses. These wisdom verses teach us that as a human being, there's a moment when you are born or birthed, and unless Jesus comes back soon, there'll be a moment when your life comes to an end. There's a moment when you can plant and other moments when you will reap what you've planted. There's a time to put something to death and a time to heal and put something all back together again. There are seasons of your life of demolishing and building, crying and laughing, grieving and dancing until your feet hurt. 
There are times to remember and times to strategically forget. There are times to pull someone that you love into an embrace and hold them close. And there are pandemic moments to say, six feet, please, thank you very much. There are days to search and a time for the search to end. There are moments to hold on to something and other times when we need to purge. There are instances to purposefully remove pain, hurt, or habit out of your life. And then there's a time to allow your heart to mend. There are life opportunities to speak up and let your voice be heard. And there's other moments when you should close your mouth and say absolutely nothing because sometimes wisdom says your silence speaks volumes. There are windows of time when love is the answer and there's other moments when hating what grieves God makes perfect sense. There's a time to declare war, to fight for a just cause or to fight against your own passivity and praise God for all of us. God says at the end of it, there's a season for peace. Boy, that's a long list, isn't it? And if it was just a list of challenging seasons, it would be really hard to be hopeful about what Solomon just described But I'm so glad scripture doesn't stop there. In fact, God through Solomon whispers hope and here's how it finishes. What do workers gain from their toil? I've seen the burden God has laid on the human race. I love this next verse. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He's also said eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. So listen to every word of this promise. Every season that you face, no matter how painful or joyful, will become beautiful in God's timing and plan. Every week we're going to flip this half hour glass. (laughs) And it's going to remind us that life is moving and shifting and fleeting right while we're doing this. But I want to remind you, every season that you face, every grain of sand that trickles through your life, no matter how painful or joyful, it will become beautiful in God's timing in God's plan. Last week, Pastor Brian did an amazing job of unpacking the first verse. There's a time to be born, literally translated, there's a time to give birth and a time to die. The fact that Pastor Brian preached on his birthday, which was also on Mother's Day, and that he finally clarified the fact that your birthday shouldn't be about celebrating you, it should be more about celebrating the woman who gave birth to you. Pastor Brian won more brownie points from the ladies of Christ the King in two sentences than has ever been accomplished before. This week I'm tasked with the phrase, there's a time to plant and a time to uproot. And if you've ever planted anything or uprooted anything, you understand this, you're gonna have to be willing to get your hands dirty, so that's exactly what we're gonna do today all right there's a small square of dirt in my backyard that I absolutely love and every year I plant it and and I love planting it I call it a garden nobody else would call it a garden because the truth is not much comes out of it that's just the reality of it I plant it every year but it just doesn't produce very much my mentor and friend Garrett Byman once gave me some wisdom he said Grant never get too far from dirt That's important. Garrett taught me how to stay grounded, how to never lose that connection with God's creation and how to develop a regular posture of kneeling humbly before your creation, before your creator and connecting through the dirt that God created and that he uses to grow everything. Garrett taught me that truth, but apparently my garden has not listened to his wisdom because I love my garden, but not much grows out of it. I plant it every year and then nothing really happens 
I, I've blamed the lack of produce from my little garden on the quality of seed, the location of the dirt, the quality of the dirt, the reflection of the sun off the back of my house, and the moles. I mean, if all else fails, blame it on the moles, right? There's plenty to go around. Unfortunately, here's the actual truth. I'm a bad gardener. <laughs> I'm just not very good at it. I love the dirt. And even though it seems futile every single year, I planted it before and I'm going to plant it again. Probably sometime this week. Why? Because there's a time to plant. There's a time to plant a seed of faith and truth in a world that's just full of distrust and lies. There's a time to plant a healing word in the life of somebody who needs to be comforted. There's a time to plant the work of the Spirit in the depth of your soul so that the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control can actually flourish and nourish the people around you. There's a time to, to plant your foot on the line of biblical conviction and refuse to move no matter what the world or the culture says about you. The Bible speaks of planting seed in so many different ways. There's the seed of faith that we grow and nurture when, when life's questions challenge our very belief in God. There's the seed of the message of Jesus that we plant in other people's lives so that it can grow into their personal relationship with Jesus. There's a seed of the word of God that we can plant in our hearts, and that's so important. We're going to stop here for just a second. As a follower of Jesus, you have to plant the word of God into the depth of your soul. And I've learned something about putting the word inside of me. There's no shortcut. You've got to read it. You've got to listen to it. You've got to internalize it. You have to water it, cultivate it, nurture it, and purposefully plant God's truth into that fertile soil of your heart and your soul. And if you plant the word of your heart, a word of God in your heart, it actually means spending time with God in his word. And let me tell you why you need to do that. First of all, it's to cultivate deep relationship. But secondly, when the choice of sin is right there in front of you, and you have a tough decision to make, when you put the word of God inside of you, it will show up and respond. It will strengthen you and protect you and guide you right back to the right path. The seed of truth will protect you if you strategically plant it in the depth of your heart and allow it to grow. There's a time to plant. So I used to work as a tree planter in northern British Columbia. That's how I paid my way through a couple of years of college. When I arrived in the northern British Columbia bush, there was a government tree inspector who showed up and introduced himself. He was from Quebec. His first name was Eve, which is a very popular guy's French name, Y-V-E-S, Eve, and his last name was Vol. So you put it together and his name was Evil, <laughs> which fit because he was a government inspector. That's all I'm going to say about that. So... But he showed up and he had this really thick French Quebec accent and, he, and he, he shows up and he says, so I'm going to teach you everything you need to know about the planting these trees in the ground. So pay attention and this is what is going to happen. And then he held up this little twig of a tree that had a, a, you know, a green top and a, and a little root ball, a container stock it was called on the bottom. And he held it up and he goes, this is everything you need to know about planting these trees for the province of British Columbia into the ground. You're going to do it this way, green end up. He said, that's all you need to know. Just make sure that the green end is up. And then he also said, then when you're planting trees, green end up. 
You, you may encounter a bear in the bush, and if you encounter a bear in the bush, this is what you're going to do. You're going to run up a hill, and when you feel the bear breathing down the back of your neck, you're going to turn around and run back down the hill because the bear's legs are the same in the front and in the back, and when he begins to run downhill, he will figure out he cannot do that. Physics will start him tumbling down the hill, and when you hear him tumbling down behind you, you turn around, run back up the hill, and you'll be fine. And go back and plant the trees, green end up. <laughs> like, I am not making this up, all right? I embraced his philosophy of planting with the green end up, but I've yet to test his bear evasion method, and I hope I never have the opportunity to do that. He made it simple. This is your job, plant. Let me make it simple for you. Here's your job, plant. Can I tell you what's worth planting? Trust in God, love for Jesus and hope in Christ. It's worth planting. Plant your feet firmly on the truth of the word of God. Everything else in your world will shift and move around you. The word of God stays exactly as a firm foundation. Plant the convictions of Jesus deep in your heart and soul. Not your own opinion, not your own interpretation of what Jesus is saying. No, plant the convictions of Jesus in the depth of your soul. Plant the priority of loving your family and serving them Plant an act of faith. Step out of your comfort zone into biblical community. Plant the discipline of spiritual practices into your life every single day. Why? So you can reap a huge harvest of deep, intimate, personal connection with the Jesus that loves you. Everything I just listed, that's worth planting. Can I tell you what's not worth planting? Anger. It's not worth it. Isolation bitterness, dissent, division. Don't waste your time planting frustration or conspiracies. Don't plant mistrust, lies, or kale. I just threw that last one in there. Are you with me? I don't like it, right? Pastor Ryan Irvin just sent me a picture. Here's my raised bed of kale. I said, Ryan, it needs to go. It's a root of bitterness, literally. Okay, just make it go away. So everything that I mentioned at the beginning will produce nothing but pain for you and the people around you. Don't plant anger. Don't plant division. If you don't want to reap it, don't plant it. In fact, this just makes so much sense, right? If you don't want to live in a world of unrighteous anger and frustration, do the opposite and treat people with kindness and respect. Plant that. Listen to this from Galatians 6. Faith read it earlier to you in a different translation. Here's the NIV. Don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good. Underline that. Let's not become weary in doing good. And as you read that, hold on to this promise. Here's what comes next. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let's do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Don't plant lust. Don't plant wrong desires and wrong priorities. Because if you plant it, here's what's going to happen. It will take root and it will multiply. Has anyone else noticed one seed of critical gossip can multiply into the devastating assassination of a person's entire character? It starts with one word. 
I'm so glad this principle of multiplication works not only on the negative side, but on the positive side as well. Listen to this verse from scripture. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown. So instead of planting the wrong seed, plant good seed, faith, hope, justice, love, joy, peace, trust. Because when you do, there is a multiplying harvest that God promises will come back to you. Brian talked last week about the fact that that Jesus was planted, not buried. Jesus is talking in John chapter 12, verse 24, and he says, very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Jesus was saying that his life, his single, purposeful, sinless life was gonna fall into the ground and die. He would not be buried, he would be planted. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but when you plant something, if you go back three hours later to see what's going on, you know what you're gonna see? Nothing. It doesn't appear as like anything is going on at all. Actually, there's a lot happening underneath of the soil. And it happened in the life of Jesus as well. Jesus was planted, and when you plant good seed, there's always something happening under the surface. In truth, Jesus was battling sin and death, and when he burst out of the ground completely victorious, he multiplied his life over and over and over again. I'm looking at the fruit of that one single seed sitting in front of me, and I know it's at home right now. You're the fruit of that. Is it time to plant? So I'm not a farm kid. I grew up in a farming community, but I'm not a farm kid. My grandparents were farmers. My dad was in the dairy industry. The only person who, in my family who could say they were a farm kid is my wife, Laurel, because she actually grew up on a farm. But I'm so glad you don't need to be a farmer or a farm kid to understand these principles. What you plant is what you will harvest. So choose wisely what you're going to plant in the soul soil of your heart which leads us to the second half of the verse it's time to plant and there's a time to uproot some of your translations will say harvest some of them will say uproot they're actually tied together okay so you can interchange these words what i love about the original language of hebrew is that it's multifaceted sometimes words have a different depth of meaning What I'm going to say as we begin this process of talking about planting and uprooting, I want you to know uprooting is hard work. Better to not plant something in your life than have to uproot it later on. And as we unpack this Hebrew word, I want to give you four opportunities to uproot, okay? There are more of them, but I limited it down to four. And as I said earlier, if you're going to plant or uproot, you're going to need to get your hands dirty. So now, now it's going to get really, really, really practical and really, really personal. So the most obvious of this one is, is we uproot in the process of weeding, right? I don't like weeds. I've never met anyone who did. The closest that a person ever came to liking weeds was my grandma Fishbook. She thought dandelions were pretty. I thought they were a pain, right? Weeds are a constant reminder of the price of sin from the very first garden. If you don't know what I'm talking about, read Genesis 1, 2, and 3. They're actually a part of the fall. There was a time when there were no weeds. Everything was perfect. When I look back at the first garden, I have to think about this. 
Have you ever noticed that God does his best work in gardens? In in, in the very first garden, even though man sinned, God stayed in relationship with him. That's good work. Jesus came to life again in a garden when he was resurrected in order to defeat sin and reestablish that relationship. And at the end of the book, in the middle of a city, the whole story ends in a garden. There's something beautiful about the work that God does, but the reality is we live in a broken world and weeds are a part of that broken world. What does that mean for us? It means this. There are seasons when you have to commit yourself to the complete eradication of bad seed or sin in your life. When it comes to sin through the power of God, you have to be willing to tear it out by the roots. I've got a good friend who's engaged in the ruthless uprooting of pornography from his life. He just got sick of it one day. He said, I'm sick of being a slave to a flickering computer screen. So he made a decision. I will live pure. I will honor God. And I will never again objectify one of God's daughters. That takes courage and strength. I love that. He's gone so far as to completely remove any electronics from his world that would create an open door for porn because he's seen the devastation of his addiction and he made a decision to draw a line in the soil of his soul that called for a complete, ruthless removal of lust. There are some people that go, I don't know why you're making such a big deal out of it. You know what I call my friend? I call him a hero. He decided no more and asked God to give him the strength to tear this thing out of his life. For some of us, now is the time to do exactly that. For some of us, it's time to stop hoping that the spiritual weeds that we see on our souls will just go away on their own because they're not just going to go away on their own. My friend acknowledged the weed of his addiction and he would tell you this. He would say, if you don't want to reap it later on, don't plant it in the first place. Uprooting is hard, hard, hard work it's worth it but it's hard whatever it is that is popping into your mind right now you say that has got to go now is the time to act now is the time there's another season to uproot that the farmers would call summer fallow when i grew up in manitoba i would drive around during different parts of of the year and i was amazed me you know you'd get towards harvest and you'd see some fields you know, with with wheat all the way up to your chest. I mean, it was beautiful. It was like a golden lake flowing in the wind. It was absolutely beautiful. But then there'd be these random fields that didn't have anything planted. I'm like, why why didn't they plant something? It's actually because they were being strategic. Summer fallow is the strategic decision of a farmer to allow a field to rest so that it can produce more in the long run. So wise farmers will rotate their crops and rotate their fields to give their field an opportunity to take a breath. (laughs) To take a season where just the nutrients are reestablished, when it can soak in the moisture of the rain and not have to produce anything. They literally put the field to rest for a year. Boy, could some of us use a little bit of that. Years ago, a pastor went to Dallas Willard. Dr. Dallas Willard is is a legendary writer in Christian circles. And the pastor asked him a simple question. What do I need to do to be spiritually healthy? Dr. Willard responded, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry 
from your life. So after a season of planting, the field is uprooted and it needs to be allowed to rest. The uprooting process that happens when rest has occurred, actually there's, there's a technical term for it. Gardeners and farmers call it amending the soil. So in grain farming, after the grain is harvested, you clear away most of the, the old plant material. But what's left over is tilled back into the ground. You amend the soil. You till it back under because the old plant material actually becomes fertilizer for everything new that's about to come. So amending is when you strategically add what's needed to uprooted soil. Why? So that it can be planted again and produce an incredible crop and harvest. So let me ask you the question. What do you need to add to your life today that will enrich the soil of your heart? Some of you need to add forgiveness. That person who hurts you, is time to let it go. Some of you need to make amends with someone that you've hurt. That will enrich the soil of your heart. Some of you just need some solitude. Some time alone with God to speak to him, but then also to listen for his response. Let me ask another question. How could you ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life? Some of your responses is, I don't have time for that, Grant. That's the point. Here's one more aspect of uprooting. It's, it's the beautiful idea of transplanting. There's a time when you may have to gather up your entire root system and move it to more fertile ground. I'm not talking about, well, I went to church and they said something I didn't like, so I'm going to transplant myself over here. There's just too much of that these days. It's too much about preference, too much about opinion, likes and dislikes. That's not what this is talking about. This is talking about when you pick up everything that embodies you and you relocate it into a new friendship group so that you can thrive, into a new set of spiritual disciplines so that you can grow so that you relocate yourself into more sun and more rain of grace, that you relocate yourself strategically so that you can grow and thrive and do everything that God has created you to do. If your spiritual life is stagnant and not growing, kind of like my little garden plot, you may need to find some new soil to embed yourself so that you can grow. Because I'm going to tell you something. If there's a time to plant and a time to uproot, God's purpose is for you and me to grow. Not sit stagnant. So what's God calling us to do today? Plant what is good, right, and beautiful. Uproot anything that's fruitless. Refuse to embrace the status quo and do nothing and always seek out richer soil. Every time we do that, Jesus says, I'll meet you there. So the name of this series has some urgency to it. Every week we're gonna flip the half hourglass over and you're gonna watch the sand just trickle through because that's exactly what life is. And we want you to embrace the fact that with every grain of sand that falls through that, that there's a call on your heart. Now is the time. Don't put it off choose today. I love this old saying, if you hang around Christ the King for any period of time, you're going to hear this. The power to act is never released until a decision is made. Now's the time to make a decision. What are you going to plant? 
in your community, in your heart? What are you going to uproot? So hopefully I've shared with you some spiritual ways because the truth is some of us need to plant to a whole new depth today. For some of us, it's time to, to release the seed of the gospel, the message of Jesus to a friend or coworker, and then just trust that God's going to show up. For all of us, it's time to plant the word of God down deep so that it'll grow into the everyday moments of your life. For some of us, it's time to uproot that habitual sin. It's time to harvest the goodness of all that God has given to us. So if you hang around here for any period of time, you're going to notice we like to take the spiritual and the practical and put them together because we actually think they're always tied. So we want you to have a spiritual moment, but we also want you to have a moment when your spirituality gets an opportunity to do something very real and very tangible. We have another way at Christ the King for you to actually get your hands dirty. Our CTK food chair and farm is our Jesus-like response to people in our county who are hungry. I hope and pray this is not your experience, but there are a significant number of people in Whatcom County who don't know where their next meal is coming from. It's called food insecurity. And the numbers are astounding in this community of children, families, men and women who just don't know what they're going to eat tomorrow. Our farm, which is one of the most practical ways of planting and uprooting uh, was created to respond to that because we have a conviction. As far as it depends on us, nobody should go to bed hungry in Whatcom County if we can say something about it or do something about it. So I'd like to show you a small snippet of what could happen if you choose to actually get your hands dirty. Let's watch this together. I'm Sue Taylor, and I am head grower at the farm, and I coordinate planting, do harvesting, weeding, watering, just about anything that needs to be done. It's the planting of a little teeny tiny seed into the soil and then watching it just push up through and producing healthy food. I love it all. That I do. I'm John Williams, and I am the CTK Farm Administrator, and uh, I've been involved with the farm for 10 years. It seems to me like my whole life has been in preparation for this part of my life. I'm retired, I worked at IBM for many years. Organization, project management, it sort of prepared me for being out here, and it's things that I really enjoy doing. One of our biggest things with the, the farm and with our food share program is that we are looking to meet the needs in the community. We're always looking to meet food gaps that are in the community already. We partner with food banks, we partner with shelters, we partner with the Boys and Girls Club, we partner with lots of different partners. We have over 26 partners. And our thing is just to put food where it's needed most. I'm Kirsty Charlton, and I get to pick up the boxes of produce and deliver to organizations that so dearly love the food, the produce that they receive. I like to be in a place that I am sharing God's love by just walking in and saying, hey, I'm from CTK Farm and you know, here's your carrots, here's your potatoes, here's your cabbage. 
sometimes I think it's more rewarding for me than it might even be for the, the people who are receiving it. It's rewarding spiritually, emotionally. I don't have to do very much physical work. <laughs> The main reason we do this is to help the community. The main reason the volunteers put hours and hours into driving the produce around, into running the machinery, into whatever they do, is because it matters to the community and it matters to our hungry neighbors. We have developed a huge community. Like you saw, we have a prayer time at 9.30 every day for the different needs of ones that are out here. And that's so exciting to get the community involved in getting people out here to um, enjoy what we enjoy and then fellowship with each other. Oh, if someone was thinking of volunteering, I'd say jump. This is a wonderful opportunity to stretch your faith, just to grow your community in Christ and within our church. Don't think that you have to be experienced in gardening. If you like being outdoors, enjoy getting your hands wet, and don't mind getting a little sweaty or dirty, come on out, because most of us don't have a lot of skills. Uh, we've, we've acquired them over the years, and we continue to learn a lot. So don't be afraid of doing something wrong, because we do things wrong all the time. <laughs> just come out, check it out. We'd love to have you. We just love all of our volunteers. There are moments when I am meeting with different leaders from around the community, and I always smile when they say, oh yeah, you guys, you're the church with the farm. You feed hungry people. And I always add, yeah, we do, in the name of Jesus. That's what motivates us. My friend Garrett passed away about a year ago but I will never forget him saying, Grant, never get too far from dirt. You can actually do that and feed hungry people at the same time. You can get your hands dirty and also meet a group of people that will create community. They, you'll find a, a friendship group of people who love to serve and hope and are getting their hands dirty in the name of Jesus so that not a single person goes to bed hungry in Whatcom County if we have anything to say about it. After the service today, if you're here in the room, if you walk out into the commons, look to your right, you're going to see a table. There'll be a group of smiling volunteers there. They're kind of the heart, the, they're, the, they're the lifeblood of the farm, and they would love to answer any questions you have. If you're watching online, at the end of the service, you're going to see a slide pop up on the screen. If you scan that QR code or go to info.ctk.church, you can find a link there. And what's happening at the table in the commons is also going to be happening with Faith, um, who's our food chair and farm director. She'll answer any questions that you have, and we can do that virtually. But before we go, I'd love to give you an opportunity to just listen to God. And I'd like to have you listen to him in response to two questions. Here's what I'd like you to ask him. Number one, God, what's one new thing you want me to plant in my soul today? And then listen to whatever he has to say. Question number two, God, what's one thing you need me to uproot so that I can draw closer to you? And then just listen what he has to say. I know intimidate, it can be intimidating when people hear that, you know, I'm going to actually listen for God's voice. 
the Bible has a promise. My sheep hear my voice and they know me. You know him. Just listen. What comes first? What comes fast? Those are probably his answers. <laughs> but how are we ever going to know if we don't actually ask the question and then sit and listen? So let's pray together. If you're here in the room, I just invite you to bow your head and close your eyes just so you can concentrate. If you're at home, I'm going to ask you to take just a posture of prayer, whatever you need to do to connect with God. Let's pray together. Father God, in this moment, would you speak to us? We are all ears. God, we hear what you're saying and now we, we've heard what you've said through your word and now, now we want to hear personally. So let's ask together in the depth of our soul, let's ask God this simple question. God, what is one thing new and fresh you want me to plant in my life beginning today? Let's ask that question and then listen to his response. let's ask God another question. God, what is one thing that you need to be uprooted out of my life so I can get closer to you? Let's ask that question. What's one thing you want me to uproot so that I can draw closer to you? Let's ask and then listen. Father God, we ask in the name of Jesus that not only would we hear what you had to say, but that we would be obedient and listen. Father God, give us the strength and courage to plant and uproot because now is the time. We pray these things in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. I was amazed by the number of people that came to me and said, Grant, God told me very specifically, I need to uproot all of the busyness in my life. I, I need to learn how to slow down. Other people that said, this was the predominant theme. I, I need to plant strategic time to be with God. Whatever God told you to plant or uproot, be obedient today. According to that clock, we're out of time. According to this clock, we're out of time. So God bless you, and God willing, we'll see you back here in six days. Have a great weekend, you guys.